1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, for today's episode that is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me tomorrow to get in on the action. I'll uh, confirm a time a little bit later. You'll see that uh, on Twitter, but keep an eye out. But if you follow me on the Locker Room app, Kane Pittman, then you're going to get a notification when I go live either way. So do keep an eye out for that because that's your episode for the week to tell me what you want to talk about and have your voice on the show as well, which has been a lot of fun. That's Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. But Justin, I had a day off, uh, much like the Bucks. They also had a day off after their sweep. And we were just briefly discussing this before I hit record here on this podcast and the NBA scheduling is is always bizarre come playoff time and some series get two-day breaks, some are playing every other day. I do wonder prior to the playoff starting whether the league does try to do a little bit of forecasting of what they think is going to happen in a series. And I say that because if you look at Philadelphia and Washington, for instance, they had two two-day breaks. So they played their game three after the Bucks and the Heat played their game four now, of course, we've just sat here and watched the Wizards win Game 4, so that series isn't even done yet. The Bucs had a week off before Game 1 against Miami. Now they're going to have a week off before Game 1 against what we assume is Brooklyn, because that series is still going. But the NBA playoff schedule, man, it's, it's a strange beast, but the Bucs are certainly getting a lot of time to rest and perhaps more importantly, a lot of time to practice ahead of what is sure to be a pretty competitive series with Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Um, last year when when we had the bubble experience and the big takeaway was um, don't expect the playoff schedule we're all used to where you know, part of it was financially driven where they, hey, the earlier we can get out of the bubble and not have to pay for the gyms and, and hotels, we're getting out of here. But we saw the series being bumped up. You're playing every other day. And at first you thought, man, this is great. Why can't we do this all the time? Um, and the way that this series has gone, I've, th- I've felt like, you know what, I actually did kind of miss the usual playoff scheduling where you knew before the first round schedule was released, all right, it's going to be half and half, you know, where most of the games will be every other day, but you're going to have those one or two random games where it's why is there two days off in between this and the extended rest too. Um, yeah, one of the things you and I were talking about, um, I wouldn't anticipate we would get a straightforward answer on this from uh, Bud or any of the coaches, and I think there are some players that would be a little more diplomatic with their answer, but I'm not really sure about the layoff and if that's good or bad. I think in the past we would always point to it being a bad, and, and obviously the, the first one that comes to mind is the series against the Celtics where the Bucs were just flat in game one and then won the next four. And also, they, I mean, they didn't have a, a whole lot of competition against the Pistons, so there's a lot of variables in play there. But whenever we had these layoffs, you would see other teams with it too where you just kind of come out flat in the first game and then you respond after that. I kind of feel like, not that maybe it's good, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing this year, whereas in the past you would say, wow, it's, it's not really good to have the week off. I mean, because number one, of how compressed the regular season has been that I'm sure any opportunity you get for extended rest and the teams that weren't in the play-in that got the week off, I'm sure you're more than fine with that. Of the regular season was a grind. We played every other day and back to back. So if we get this stretch with a week off, perfect, we're taking it. But the other part is what you just said too, of, you know, we heard time and time again during the regular season, one of the toughest parts and the biggest challenge was especially with the Bucks, with those defensive issues they had early in the season, there's no time to work on it. And especially on road trips, you don't get practice time. You're not going out to gyms and, and having this time when you, when you factored in the health and safety protocols and testing and how, you know, crammed in that schedule was, there was limited to no practices. So that week off gave you the opportunity. And now a week off, as we presume game one will likely be on Saturday. It gives you another opportunity for rest. So you're going to have to kind of juggle the whole rest versus rust debate, but it at least gives you a chance to work on some things where I think at the very least it's just kind of neutral where maybe it's not good, but I don't think it's really a negative this time. So I haven't
1: actually thought about this too much, but I'm just going to riff here because this is something I was just thinking about as you were talking there. I think I've been pretty consistent over the last couple of months in talking with Frank and talking with you about the fact that I thought a second round series against the Brooklyn Nets was going to be a really steep mountain to climb. And even to this point, I love the confidence that is starting to build among the Bucs and even the momentum that's starting to build among the national media. But I just still do think it's hard to watch the Brooklyn Nets and look at the, the genuine superstar power that they have and not feel like this is going to be a, a monumental task for the Bucs to get past the Nets. But we spoke about home court a lot. We spoke about the Bucks potentially being able to get into that two seed and then have home court advantage for this series. If I'm going to start over the course of the week to talk myself into a Bucks series win, which is absolutely what I'm going to do because I do that with every single damn team that I, that I cover or I watch or you have that close connection with. One thing that I've, I've at least been floating around in my head is, and I, and I understand that a lot of people will say, this is absolutely ridiculous game. But maybe having game one and two away from home, it maybe it releases the pressure a little bit for the Bucs. And, and I say that because not only, again, do you talk about the uh, rest versus rust, but this is going to be a significant change-up when you think about what the Bucs are going to have to do defensively at this team to what they had to do against the Heat and the questions that are going to be asked. And in in many respects, the Miami Heat really just just slipped straight into the Bucks' comfort zone defensively. And, and I don't want to take away what the Bucs did and what Brook Lopez did and what they did on the perimeter and how they completely shut down Jimmy Butler. I'm not trying to take away from that, but the reality is they were able to get away with a lot of things against that Miami team that they're simply not going to be able to do against the Brooklyn Nets. And I do think it's going to take some adjustment. And you pointed to the fact that they're going to have some practice time here where they'll work on those things. And, and they'll clearly be discussing that and talking that, and they have the benefit of watching this Nets team for a couple of games here based uh, in com- combination with what they've seen during the regular season. But I do think that this is going to be a major, major adjustment for the Bucs defensively and, and just the way that they're going to try and play and the looks that they're going to get um, from this team. So maybe the practice time combined with the fact that, hey, let's have a free shot in game one or two, see if we can pinch one of these games and go back to FISO form with momentum um
0: so before I, I get to uh my follow so uh, right now if i asked you for your pick would you pick the nets to win the series um
1: well <laughs> I, I don't know I, I i let's say this i would pick a game seven okay which then uh, actually uh, completely contradicts everything i just said <laughs> because then game seven would be in brooklyn <laughs> by the way so let me be clear maybe what i just said was ridiculous
0: I mean, and I was talking about this with some people uh, with the Bucks over the weekend just before game four, but it's amazing to me, and I guess it really shouldn't be, given how good the Bucks looked in that series against Miami, and, and again, how much we've seen Drew Holiday can kind of change everything mm-hmm. for this team, um, but it's still amazing to me. Uh, Brooklyn is a team with three consensus Hall of Famers once they... And finish playing and as we've touched on a number of times throughout the season the offense is it's just tough to pick against so I personally I would not be surprised to see the Bucks win the series so mm. don't get me wrong but it's just tough to pick against that and the firepower of Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie so if I had to give a pick right now, I would say Brooklyn. But again, and I think you're in the same boat. We and nobody, see- and, and,
1: to, and to, to cut you off, nobody listening to this podcast can possibly sit here and say that they would be surprised if that's the result. And and, I, right. and 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 you're not just talking about. We've seen teams before that have these superstar players, and certainly Golden State a couple of years ago and all that. But you you are talking about three Hall of Fame players that are in their prime as well. And I, and I, it's, you know, and then the role players they have and the, the ability they have to score. Now, that we're going to get into it, of course, but there's significant holes in this team, nonetheless, that I think that the Bucs have the personnel to significantly take advantage of. But this isn't a series where I think, to, and again, to, based on what happens, that you would be shocked if the Bucs lose. I just, I just think that that's the case. But on the flip side of that, if the Bucs make it through then you're thinking that anything other than a title is a failure.
0: Yeah. And I, and and I mean, it's, it's amazing to me for if we go back a couple of weeks and I mean, really at the time that the James Harden trade was made too, that I don't think it was a a consensus, but a majority of those around the sport and that cover the sport thought, well, this is probably a wrap that Brooklyn is going to be representing the East in the finals. And now, with how good the Bucs have looked in that series and sweeping the heat, there is just an incredible amount of people that are already picking the Bucs to win this series against the Brooklyn Nets, which I would not have imagined going into the playoffs, even with the Bucs getting past the heat. And, look, I thought, and I didn't have the courage to say it publicly, but with a few that I've talked with, I said, and I might, it might have been on this show, too, of, you know, if we just looked at the numbers and the resumes of the two teams, we would say the Bucks are going to easily win this series, and they should yeah. win it in five. It's just the mental aspect of this is the team that beat you last year. If you lose game one, who knows what happens? And that's basically uh, how we saw it play out. But to see a complete shift where there was more and more people now saying, uh, you know, I think the Bucks are going to win that series, and not so much that, hey, the Bucs are going to give them a tough series. And I think all along, once we knew it was going to be the Nets and Bucks in the second round, You did have a healthy amount of people saying, I think whoever wins that series is going to win the East. But it's almost consensus now that, yeah, this is basically the NBA Finals with the three games we saw these two teams play in the regular season and how the Bucs are playing now. These are the two teams that whoever wins is representing the East. And to go a step further, I think more and more people are saying whoever wins this series is winning the title.
1: Yeah, and I think in with that point, that's why I think it's a bit of a shame that this is a second round series because yeah. you're going to have a seriously, seriously, seriously good team that's bounced in the second round. And, you know, if you asked me and you could have asked me this right through the entire season and we've been doing you know, power rankings over at um, NBA Australia, NBA.com Australia every month and every single time I've had Philadelphia out of the top five. And that's just where I rank these teams. That's across the entire league. And I had the Bucks and the Nets in there basically all season long because I do think that they are on another level to those two teams. I've always felt that. And I think that whoever wins this series will beat Philadelphia and move on to the NBA finals. So it's, it's crazy to think that this is a second round series. But one of the big losses for the Bucks is Dante DiVincenzo. We haven't hit on this a lot yet on the podcast, but I'm going to do that after I talk about uh, our friends and sponsor of the show today, Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, Justin, Frank, athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting a Locked On Bucks live locker room tomorrow night. And you guys can jump in. You can jump in the chat room. If you feeling confident, then you just request to speak and you have your voice on the podcast as well. If you've caught any of those episodes the last few weeks, it's a lot of fun. I love it when you guys uh, come in and join in on the show. So uh, as well as Locked on Bucks, you can find our watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns uh, of all your favorite sports. Be sure to join me tomorrow. And all you have to do is download the free Locker Room app currently available on iOS and Android, I believe. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, join the NBA group And follow me at Kane Pittman and you'll be notified when I go live. That's Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. And of course, uh, don't forget about our friends at rockauto.com who are the family business that's been serving auto parts customers for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer uh, the best part about it those prices that i just mentioned are the same for me they're the same for justin as they would be for the professionals so you're not getting ripped off here just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box today now we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Now, Justin, when we talk about the road to the finals and this sponsorship from Michelob Ultra, we obviously the Bucks right now have already moved through to the second round, but we're keeping our eye on the other series around the league. And I, I just got a tweet. From Dan Razzi on Twitter, and he says, Kane Pittman, at Kane Pittman, that's my handle. You should follow me. Given the Nets' defensive limitations and their highly efficient offense, how likely is it we see Giannis like we just saw with Simmons tonight? I have a feeling it will be a thing. So uh, Dan is referencing uh, Ben Simmons late in Game 4 against the Washington Wizards at the Wizards 1, that Ben Simmons uh, was sent to the free-throw free line on a number of occasions. We saw it a little bit, certainly, in Game 1
0: against Miami. Haki Giannis, is that something you're concerned about? Um, no, and I guess maybe, maybe I'm being naive here, mm. but not really. Um, I know Giannis' free throw shooting wasn't great, but he seemingly got much better as the series went on, and I think he was around 65% for the series as a whole, but I mean, what we're going to remember most is those last two games in Miami where he had to deal with the fans uh, verbally counting aloud as he was taking free throws, and it didn't seem to phase him. So I don't think it's it's going to be a huge advantage for Brooklyn, and I guess I would counter with you know, if we see any form of intentional foul, I would wonder if it's going to be from the Bucs because I just don't see, and I know he hasn't been a part of the rotation ever since playing the Bucs, but I just don't see how Brooklyn cannot play DeAndre Jordan in this series. That we saw, you know, what Brook Lopez was able to do whenever Miami would go smaller with Bam at a off the floor, and they have no options other than DeAndre Jordan to at least somewhat slow Brook Lopez down there. So, I don't think it's going to be a lot, but there's going to be moments when DeAndre Jordan is on the floor. And, you know, if if that's what it turns into, where you're following Giannis to put him at the line, with the strides that we've seen throughout the season and the way he performed as that series went on uh, from the free throw line, I'm not overly concerned with it. Now that I say it, it's going to end up being an issue. But I'm not overly concerned. And I think if, if DeAndre Jordan is on the court for extended periods of time, that's something I could see the Bucs doing to him. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, please, no. I, not not
1: end-to-end. End. Hacker Jordan, hacker Giannis. Please do not let that happen. You know, my only problem with how long Giannis takes at the free throw line is how long these games go for. That's honestly my biggest complaint about it. Like, yes, we know he takes a, a lot of time. But, you know, I always say this. A quick game a good game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Giannis was 63%, so, I think.
0: So, yeah, sixty. 60- and I just looked it up. So the last three games, he was 75%. If you take out that 6 of 13, he was hitting three out of every four. So that's basically what we saw for the last two-plus months of the regular season too. So my concern with that, and again, this comes
1: back to the mental aspect of Game 1 that no one is ever going to admit and no one's ever going to discuss, but it comes back to the fact that a lot of those misses came in crunch time in a close game in the playoffs. So again, not to be a downer about all this, but I, I don't really... Look at Giannis sitting free throws when the Bucs are blowing out the heat and say, oh, wow, this is great. This is something to be feeling good about. That doesn't mean a lot to me because in the one instance we had where it was a close game and the Bucs needed to win, he missed a bunch. Now, he wasn't alone. Middleton missed free throws. Drew Holiday missed free throws. Brooke Lopez split a pair as well. So everyone was missing and it became a little bit contagious there with the Bucs down the stretch. But I'm just going to hold my fire there on, on giving him too much credit for the last three games. Now, of course... He has to knock him down. And, of course, there was a huge distraction there with the Miami fan, so I'm not completely being dismissive of that, but I, it wasn't exactly the highest stakes situations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess in Game game 4, more than anything, um, they were in front, but a few of those trips to the line were um and i don't have it in front of me but i think it was four that he took in the fourth quarter in some of those instances yeah, yeah. the bucks were in front but it was still where hey if, if he up. makes one of two or goes over two here in miami hits a shot it's a it's a different game so not quite the same level of pressure but still relatively important free throws and he aced the test in those situations
1: yeah it's been fascinating to see the ben, ben simmons um discussions again coming up tonight and and In many respects, again, you see the difference between a player like Giannis and Ben Simmons, though, where Giannis is still able to score in different ways and not just facilitate, and I don't want to take away Ben Simmons' ability to facilitate, but we saw the physical dominance of Giannis in the paint that Ben Simmons quite simply does not have. And yes, you, Simmons is a fantastic passer and he can get into the paint and find these shooters out on the perimeter. But we saw against Miami where it was a physically dominant Giannis that said, all right, I'm going to get to my spot here. You're going to put four guys on me and then I'm going to find Bryn Forbes. And I mentioned the comments from Bryn Forbes, I, I think in the post game podcast from game four but oh man he 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 is cracking me up at the moment brin forbes and he has all season to be honest his personality is so cool to me he's such a relaxed guy and i think i i like it because i'm generally a relaxed guy as well but the way that he answers questions is so laid back and he's not stressed. yeah yeah it's it's so funny and it's so cool and we've seen the bucks twitter put out some funny videos of him but the way that he responded when he said I wasn't surprised that I was wide open this whole series. He's like, that's what Miami have done all season long. They didn't change their game plan once, which was just a hilarious comment given all the narrative prior to the series about Mike Budenholzer and Eric Eric Spolstra and how one guy is known for not changing anything and the other guy will throw everything out there. And Brim Forbes is just like, Spolstra, he didn't do anything. I'm just standing out there knocking down open threes the whole series.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's... um especially after game four on our post game show, that's what I tried to spend the majority of the time talking about was that comment specifically from uh, Bryn Forbes about, you know, they didn't do anything differently. And that, and that was the big knock on bud and look um, I know he has had his fair share of detractors the last two years. And some of the criticisms have certainly been warranted, but you can't help but feel good. And, and look, it's just, the first round so you still have hopefully three more series where you got to see this continue here but still you can't help but feel good for coach Budenholzer with um the way that the last two seasons have ended the way especially things ended in the bubble and to hear the Bucks, you know adamant of this it it, it was just you know we can't put it into words but This was unique and bizarre, and we don't feel like we were represented in the bubble as the team that we truly were, and and having to deal with a year of saying that and everybody else kind of scoffing at it and saying, you know, two times that you've done this, we don't believe you, and um, getting your chance at redemption and against that same team and the chance to say, look... We learned. We told you we were going to do things differently. We did that during the regular season. And still, people were saying, well, show it to me in the playoffs because I don't believe you. And they did it. And uh, this was the best we've seen in terms of the X's and O's from Coach Budenholzer and his time here in Milwaukee. So I don't think we can say enough good things about the job he did in that first round series.
1: All right, I already said we are going to talk about Dante DiVincenzo. Then I got highly, highly distracted, which, again, I tell people this, but I don't exactly plan a run sheet for these shows. I jump on with you, Justin, and I say, let's just see where this takes us so no one will be surprised that I got distracted. But before we get to Dante DiVincenzo, I do want to say this, and I tweeted this out yesterday. And you know it's playoff time when everyone starts listening to this show. Uh, Over the last 30 days, we've had over 100,000 downloads. We're just about to pass half a million for the calendar year already, uh, which obviously is huge. We've passed a million downloads the last couple of years as well, so we're well and truly on track to do that again. But this last week in particular was the highest download week in the history of Locked On Bucks. And this is episode 1091 today. So there's been a lot of weeks of Locked On Bucks. The last week was the highest download week there. I think it sums up not only the interest in the bucks and the way that they're playing and the fans are really getting behind this team, but also like it's a credit to you, Justin and Frank and everyone that comes on the show and and make sure it's not just me on here um, rambling on the whole time. But I appreciate it. It's obviously, um, you know, a big deal for me and I enjoy doing this show. So we'll get to Dante DiVincenzo. Before we do, BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. I saw the Brewers had another walk-off tonight. Unfortunately, my A's lost in a walk-off. So, you know, you win some, you lose some in baseball. What can you say? Hopefully, they can bounce back over the next 130 games. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, uh, if you're into that as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as the teams uh, get ready for their runs to the playoffs or continue their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on there. That's BetOnline, your online sports book. Experts, Dante DiVincenzo, Justin, this was a real blow and all year long, I've been fortunate enough, you know, being over here in Australia that I've woken up to some pretty nice news from time to time. I woke up to the Giannis extension. Can you believe that? I slept through that. I woke up to the Drew Holiday extension. There's been a bunch of good news that I've woken up to uh, through the season so far, but this was not a nice notification to wake up to with Dante DiVincenzo out for the season with this ankle ligament uh, strain here. Really, really innocuous incident. I mean, there was really nothing much in this. I've certainly seen some of the stuff on Twitter that Goran Dragic does a bit of a jersey tug there. I mean, I I don't know. I I personally didn't think that that would have influenced this injury at all. I don't know. I might be naive by saying that. I just didn't look at it and say, oh, well, that's a dirty play. And let's be honest, there's a long, long line of Goran Dragic doing dirty plays where he could seriously injure a player, including the arm wrench on Chris Milliton that he got a flagrant four later on. Um, yeah. you know, hopefully his ass is out of the NBA anyway. Get rid of him. I'm done with him. He's a danger out there. So um, screw Gore and Dragic. But back to Dante DiVincenzo, you know, all season long, and people will say, yes, Kane, but you're defensive about every Bucks player. And I say, okay, fine. That's a fair point you make. The team's pretty good. It's me for, for being positive about this very good basketball team. But Dante DiVincenzo, I think you're about to find out why he has been such an important factor in the five-man starting lineup, but also in the rotation. And I saw a number of people say, the worst thing about Dante DiVincenzo being out is the fact that it's going to force other players to come into the rotation. And I think that that's accurate. I just think against Brooklyn, it's the worst possible case scenario to lose a guy that, again, is not out there for his... Uh, scoring but he's out there for second chance opportunities which could be critical against the Brooklyn team and he's also a big body that is a very capable defender and you're going to need them against the Brooklyn Nets as well so I think you could have easily got away without Dante DiVincenzo against Miami and in fact they did and it didn't really matter they were able to play you know, whoever they wanted I think they still would have won but they, they're going to be put to the ultimate test against this Brooklyn team and I guess I'll start here who do you think starts against the Nets?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny too that um, – and I, I know I said it once, and when you do say it, you also kind of feel bad because it feels like you're diminishing Dante. But when when the question gets asked and you say, look, of, of the five starters, is Dante the one that you could most afford to lose? Sure, but that still doesn't mean you want to lose him. So uh, I think the real shame is – you could afford to play without Dante in that series against Miami just because I, I think Pat and Bryn Miami, it, it's a better matchup for those two than than it was for Dante. But it's this series where you're going to really notice what Dante DiVincenzo gave you, if if nothing else than just more depth out there on the perimeter, that his minutes were going to be vital. And now it really changes a lot of things that you can – do or try to throw at the nets defensively. I mean, even with Pat Connaughton out there, and he's been fairly consistent on his shot this season, but it's still a different feel when you have the defense collapsing on Giannis or focusing on Drew and Chris and then seeing Pat Connaughton as the fifth guy that's out there versus Dante, where you kind of know what to expect. And I think that's going to be a big loss. And it's it's just going to be tough in terms of their defensive matchups. In terms of the starters, I don't want to see Brent Forbes in the starting lineup as good as he's been. I would prefer him stay in that role where he's coming off the bench and playing with that uh, the second unit minutes and just getting looks there. I'd rather keep him in that role and keep utilizing him the same way. So I would be more inclined to slide Pat in there. Um, but I was talking about it with um, – it started on Twitter, and I saw a few other people as well before uh, – with the Bucks that we were talking about some things before game four – I would also be really curious to see do you put PJ Tucker in the starting lineup and then just kind of slide Chris down into the backcourt. I know it's not necessarily ideal in terms of if you keep PJ on the bench, you can manage his minutes a little more and then you can kind of throw different bodies at Kevin Durant because I think in this series, we're going to see a healthy amount of Giannis on Kevin Durant. And I know Chris has played fairly well against KD. Um, But I think just the way we saw Giannis against Jimmy Butler and knowing you're going to have to throw as many different looks out there as you can, and there's nothing you can do that's going to slow down or stop the Nets. You're just hoping to make them work. I think we're going to see a decent amount of Giannis on Kevin Durant. So I guess that kind of changes what you would do in the starting lineup then, where if you didn't do that, you could still throw PJ Tucker out there and then kind of shift things around. Um... But I think it's more ideal to have P.J. Tucker coming off the bench and relieving Giannis and then just going with groupings of Chris and Giannis and P.J. that you're throwing out there on him. Um, but it, it's going to be big for the backcourt because we know you can stick Drew on either of those two guys, on KD – or excuse me, on, on James Harden or Kyrie Irving, and you, you feel, you know, I wouldn't say super confident, but you'd feel more comfortable than you would with other matchups that you have. Um, some of the challenges are going to be for Chris where I would think it would, if it's not Kevin Durant, it's got to be Joe Harris that you put him on. And then that's where the Dante spot becomes important because now whoever it is you're putting there, if it's Pat, if it's Brandon especially, you're asking a lot on the defensive end and you're asking for even more minutes. Whereas if Dante's out there, it's just what, 10 to 15 minutes that you're, you're telling Pat and maybe you're not even throwing him on guards with how we've seen him basically be a small ball four and three at times. But it's much more limited minutes where it's just, okay, just try to hold up as best you can. And now if it's Pat Connaughton in the starting lineup, he's getting one of those two guys and he's getting it for an extended period of time, which I don't know that's a that's a matchup you really love if you're coach Budenholzer. So, Long story short, it's easy to point to and say, well, Dante's been inconsistent or Dante hasn't done this. And, you know, we kind of expected more from him. So he's our fifth starter. It's fine that that they're without him. At least we still have Giannis and Chris and Drew. And that last part is true. But I think we're really going to see, you know, it's not to say that he's an all-star. But there are things that Dante DiVincenzo does and brings to this team that you may not realize or notice. And it's going to take a series like this for you to say, man, why is this happening? Oh, because Pat is playing this many minutes or Bryn is on those matchups and the Bucks don't have Dante.
1: So I 100% agree that I think it should be Pat and I think that it will be Pat. I've certainly flirted with the idea of having PJ Tucker out there as well. But I do think just simply for staggering lineups which is going to be more critical than ever in this series when you have so many superstar players and really talented offensive players on the other team i think having pj tucker come in halfway through the third quarter uh, through the first quarter and yeah. then perhaps more importantly always hoping to have three of drew Chris, Giannis, and pj on the floor i just think it's a lot easier if you have pj coming off the bench and Look, credit to Bud. I think that we saw him maximize lineups against the Heat, um, but it becomes even more important in this series here. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think we all acknowledge the fact that do, do the Bucs actually have someone that can stop KD? Probably not. You're going to have to hope that he's going to have an off night. It feels like he hasn't had an off night all season when he's played. He's just been absolutely absurd against the Celtics. But, again, I think the Bucs have a better chance or as good a chance as any team in the league with the amount of bodies they can throw at these guys. So, you sort of, again, cross your fingers that they miss some shots. But I would go with Pat um, 100% for that reason. Again, Bryn Forbes, I, I just, I mean, to me, I mean, I just look at the personnel in this team and I say, you can't play Bryn Forbes with the, with those starting lineups. He's going ha- to be an offensive yeah. player. His role is going to change a little bit more. You get the instant satisfa- satisfaction with a guy like Bryn Forbes more than you will with Pat Conadon because he hits those threes. But I do think, again, this is a series where you're just going to have to see if Bryn Forbes is hot. And there may be games where yeah. you can't play him a lot. And that's a hard concept to understand based on what we just saw against Miami. But you have to appreciate and you have to understand that this Brooklyn team is on another level. Like we've, I, I think we've got to stop treating this Miami team like they were some sort of big challenge or great team. Yeah. It was a mental challenge. But they were shit. They were shit ass. The, the Bucks blew them off the court. This is a completely different ballgame.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you saw – and look, I think the two defenses are pretty comparable for what we've seen for a full year. And it's really just one pocket there for for about a month or so that that you would point to with Miami and say, oh, maybe they're turning the corner here. But if we just look at the entire year, I think it's pretty comparable to compare them to Boston, and especially with some of the personnel and especially now with some of the players not playing – for the Celtics in Brooklyn just shredded them in, in game four where they had the historic night and KD, especially where he was, uh, he was what, I think 60, a hundred, a hundred that he shot 70, 100, 100 shooting splits that he had. Um, yeah. It's, it's look, you have to expect points and I guess the counter is, yeah, Brooklyn has just shredded Boston throughout this series, and they haven't really played great, kind of what we've pointed to with the Bucs. But the Bucs' defense is going to get better, or is better than what uh, Brooklyn is facing in Boston. And that is certainly true. But still, expect a lot of points because of those three guys. And to me, it's just going to come down to, you know Kevin Durant is probably going to be hovering around 30 every game in this series. It's going to be, how does, how does he get those 30? That the 14 for 20 night that he had against the Celtics, you can't have nights like that happening consistently that with all of these guys, you're going to say, look, they're probably going to score at least 80 combined. And we're going to live with that as long as we can hold them to around 45% and make them really work for those shots. And the big part is going to be the secondary guys of how do you defend Joe Harris? And I think, you know, for as much as we've talked about, Dante is going to be a, a big loss for the Bucks. Jeff Green is as well, because that's one of the secondary guys that you're going to have to really focus on and worry about. So I think that's going to help the Bucs at least in the short term, because it sounds as though he could return during this series, but the Bucs are going to be helped out there. So it's going to be a matter of, I guess, pick your poison. And and I'm going to be most curious to see how coach Budenholzer chooses to defend this team and whether or not you say, okay, let's try our best to really slow down Kevin Durant and James Harden, and if we got to pick one guy that we're going to live with him taking the bulk of the shots, and if he goes off, fine, it's Kyrie, we're going to do that, or, or is it just what we said of the secondary guys? But expect offense is the long story short. Um, so I don't think you should look at the box score and see Kevin Durant scored 35, what a bad job, or, or James Harden did the same thing. Yeah. You just have to expect these guys to score a lot of points. But my encouraging parts from that series against Miami, where I agree, as we said, Miami's not a good team. And I think we saw that through the four, but we did see those things from Bud with doing things differently, with forcing their hand and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to make you play into this and we're going to weave in switching and the drop defense and all this other stuff. But in game four too, when he went to Jeff Teague and he really pared down that rotation but I think it was game four where Jeff Teague only played a handful of minutes, and you could tell immediately just wasn't you know Jeff Teague's day. He didn't have it. And he immediately hooked him, and we didn't see him again, where you essentially went with an eight-man rotation. And that's the type of thing you're going to have to do against Brooklyn because those minutes are so valuable that you have to win all of those opportunities, especially when one of those three is off the court. So we've got to see more of the coaching like that from Coach Budenholzer.
1: All right, let us know who you think should start and I think there'll be some varied answers and I think there'll certainly be a lot of fans out there that do want to see Bryn Forbes, but uh, let us know what you think there. Uh, Don't forget, you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, just a reminder... Uh, there's going to be a locked on live tomorrow on the locker room app. So make sure you check that out tomorrow evening. I'm thinking it's going to be around 5. PM. Um, but again, if you download the app, you'll get the notification for the rest of the week. We're going to keep building up to this series against Brooklyn. Um, fingers crossed Boston. Don't come back and start a miracle here. Cause we're doing a whole week of podcasts on the Brooklyn nets. Uh, also, the guys from locked on nets are going to jump on the show once they do wrap up the series and we'll do a full crossover episode there i think that they're going to handle whatever happens in this series a little bit better but i guess we're going to find out and in uh, even more exciting news jim Paschke is coming back on the show wow uh,
0: what a get
1: obviously he has had a big couple of weeks and I thought Marcus was actually choking up a little bit on that farewell, yeah. which in turn made me choke up a little bit. Uh, sitting on my couch here in Australia, I thought I was about to, to start bawling my eyes out over Jim saying goodbye. But uh, look, he's going to come on. We're going to have a lot of fun there. And once again, I mean, the perfect way to go out. I mean, it was just fitting for the Bucks to sweep the heat, uh, Justin, and send him off
0: on a winning note. Yeah, I, I saw a few people mentioning that and then it, it kind of hit you of, Yeah. You know what? This is all things considered for, for all the stories that look And I think I've, I've talked about this here too, but Jim, all the stories that he's shared with me and you know, I'm from the area and grew up here. So I grew up a Bucks fan and, and watching Jim and John McLaughlin on TV. That was my childhood. And some of the stories that Jim would tell me too, of we had, um, you know, it wasn't always games that were on TV. It was select scheduling. And there was one year where we had, I think it was 40 games or 30 games that were on TV. We won the season opener. We lost every single game that was televised after <laughs> that. So you think about going through, um, you know, things like that in, in some of the really lean years. And then for Jim to go out this way where this is a team that has a chance to win a championship And just the way things ended last year to avenge that and and sweep this team and and the same team in in four games, you really had to feel good for uh, Jim. And it it feels like, you know, we've heard Giannis talk about Jim and Bud as well. And, um, you know, we certainly know how big of a part of the organization he has been. So I think there is a little bit of that to it as well of we got to clean up our business here and, you know, we want to send a message, but let's do something for Jim as well
1: yeah well said well said there's no doubt about that obviously he won't be on the mic for the rest of this series but I have no doubt he'll be in the arena and he'll be around um, which is going to be a lot of fun but it's it's always to catch up, cool to catch up with him it's been over a year since since we spoke when we did that uh, podcast during the NBA shutdown so it's going to be uh, a lot of fun there Justin's always good to, to catch up with you I appreciate you uh, taking the time to jump on uh, but we'll leave it there like I said locker room tomorrow make sure you check that out so for Justin And myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.